some time ago with an individual on something on the order of this and he said well this but those were that was Jesus and that was his words and I said what do you think this is amen that's Jesus words written words and uh, the ministry comes forth and that's his words so what's the difference amen different voice different life or whatever but it's still the word of God and people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing, 
Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when he had done, when, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of Thetians, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. Father, we thank you tonight, again, because you have preserved your word for us, and we have the glorious privilege of opening up the word of God and seeing some of the things that you did that they might be pertinent to our life. We pray tonight, Father, that you would make that soul, that your spirit would speak to hearts, and you'd give us the words to speak, Father, that would sink deep inside, that would not be forgotten. Father, but stay with us. We honor and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, these are old scriptures. People have preached around them and about them and in them, and I have ministered on them myself. But it still has a fact inside that we would like to express what God has given to us tonight to you in hopes that it would help us on our journey toward the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I intend to enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. That's my vision. That's my hope. That's what I started out to do, and I don't want to get this close and fail. Whether I go by the way of the grave or whether I'm standing or when Jesus comes, I want to be able to welcome him with the very depths of my heart. I want to speak to you tonight on into the scene steps Jesus. Into the scene steps Jesus. I don't know what that means to you, but that means that every portion of our life, perhaps we're in a play and there's certain scenes of our life, and at certain times in our life, Jesus steps in. Yes. Now, verse 1 and 2, as we just read, it came to pass that his people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and was washing their nets. And I want to pause here for a few moments for us to kind of reminisce and get a word picture in our mind as what might have been going on in the mind of those fishermen. It seemed like that they had given up for the day. If you read the rest of the uh, scriptures, it seemed like they had given up for the day. And they were standing by their nets or by their boats and they were washing their nets. And their faces must have been weary with discouragement and despondency because they had toiled, as Peter said, all night. They had not taken anything. And this was not a sport to them. They was not fishing for the sport of fishing. This was their calling, and this was their business, and this was their livelihood. So you can imagine at the end of a hard day's work, toiling all night, into the night, or whatever it was, and then taken nothing. Now in the natural, almost all of us know what it is to be in a hard day and then look back and wonder if you really accomplished anything at all. I mean, you look at what you've done and you've labored and you've toiled and you've done the best you can and it doesn't look like anything has been accomplished. Now there are days in my life that I can look back and it seems like I've done a lot of good. In the natural, and then there's a lot of days that just little piddly things that nobody knows that they're done. And it is a discouraging fact to labor and toil and then stand back and look after a hard day's work 
and wonder what you've done during that day. And that in itself is hard, and but more importantly, the spiritual side of the thing. I had to look at that and how many of us have uh, labored and how many of us have toiled and how many of us have believed, how many of us have uh, stretched ourselves prostrate before God asking Him to move upon our life and upon other lives and then stand at the end of the day or the end of the month or end of the year only to see no noticeable results of our prayers and labor. Discouragements and weariness begins to set in because we have purposed in our heart that we was going to labor, we were going to toil, we was going to believe, we was going to search out the Word of God and find it. And then at the end of the time we look back and can see really no noticeable results. And when we apply what we know to our own life and apply that to the life of these fishermen, it's easy for us to sympathize with the fishermen standing by their boats with nothing to show for all their night's labor. And then into the scene steps Jesus. When it looks like nothing is happening, when it looks like there's nothing of your labor and toil, when it looks like there's no payday anywhere, then if we'll just hold fast in the unchanging hand of God, just like it was then, into the scene of that discouragement and that despondency steps the master of the, all the universe. Thank God. And he took some steps to teach these disciples a lesson. I want to take some time this night to point some things out to you that you might have otherwise missed whenever we uh, ministered on this, you heard it ministered in too. There are some steps that Jesus took, and I want you to notice them. Number one, he entered into Peter's ship. Now, I'm sure he, being a gentleman, would not have walked into that ship without permission. So you see, Peter gave him permission to step into his ship that he might teach a lesson, and we have to let Jesus in. In the portions of our life where it's dark and we don't understand and Jesus comes and he wants to come into our life and whatever he wants to do, we have to let him in. And that's one thing Peter had to do. And then he asked Peter to thrust out a little from the land. In other words, it looked like there was no difference in it. Why didn't Jesus just teach from where they was at as the ship was moored close to the shore? But anyway, he asked Peter to step out a little, thrust out a little from the land. That showed some obedience to Peter, though he did not, or to God, though he did not understand exactly what Jesus had in mind. He willingly did what he was supposed to do. And then notice what Jesus did. He sat down and taught the people. Now there was a reason. Before any of this other transpired, there was a reason why Jesus sat down and taught the people. Teaching is important. Yes. It is necessary in lives. And I don't think anything would have ever happened. I don't think Peter would have ever been submissive to what God had to say unless Jesus had taught. Now, I don't know exactly what he taught about, but I'm pretty sure that he must have mentioned some faith and believe in him. Because for Peter to do what he did later on, it showed that someplace, somewhere, Jesus had to teach about some faith in him, about believing him. Regardless of whether you understand what's going on or not, sometimes Jesus just asks us to believe him. 
let us let him into our life, be obedient to him, and then listen to what he has to say to us because it's going to be important in the future days of our life, maybe even tomorrow. Maybe what I'm saying tonight will be important to you and maybe it will be important to me tomorrow or maybe tonight after we leave here or maybe before we leave here. So there are some steps that Jesus takes. He still does that. We have to let him in. We have to say, Lord, I am in need of something. You know, the danger of the church today is we live a life of ego. All right. Many of us have been in church for a long time. Many of us haven't been there very long. But someplace there's a self-assurance in our life that everything is just fine and there's no need for an advancement in our life. Well, you see, Christ can't get in that portion of your life. There's part of our life, part of my life, that we've shut him out in. And we haven't allowed him entrance into our boat or into our ship. And then we have to be obedient once he's in to thrust out a little bit. In other words, Jesus is simply saying, Now then, that I have taught you thus far, I want you to thrust out a little bit more. I want to talk to you about something that is going to bring you some results, and that very soon. And so there he was, speaking to the people, and there he was, talking to Peter, and there he was, seeing the obedience of Peter, and then he says, some words that ought to challenge our life. He says in the fifth verse, let down your nets for a drought. Now I looked at that and it comes from the Greek word agra, which means let down your nets for a great catch. Man is quiet in here. Let down your nets for a great catch. Now I want you to notice what he's trying to say here and make it relevant to us tonight. I've already taken what he has to say. I'm going to listen to some more. And Simon said, answering, and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, and we haven't taken anything. In other words, Lord, we've been out there. We're good fishermen. We seem to know where the fish are. But he said, Lord, we have toiled all night. And we haven't taken anything, but there in a sense was again the message of Peter, not only of faith, but of obedience. And the message of God to Peter, not only believing, but obeying him. And so Peter said, nevertheless, I don't know how long he argued with God. I, I, sometimes you get the idea uh, that these things happen all at once. But knowing human nature... Like I know human nature and like you know human nature, that we just don't automatically say, all right, Lord, if you say so, I'll do it. There's something that has to go over in our mind, and God has got to bring human nature under control, and we're finally going to have to say, whether we believe it or not, we're going to obey you. And Peter says, finally, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I want you to notice that word, and that's been preached on before. Jesus says, let your nets down for a drought. Yes. And it says in here that Peter, trying to be obedient to God, simply let his net down. Now I want you to notice this. Jesus asked this at the very most part of their weariness and discouragement. Yes, that seems like a sadistic God, doesn't it? 
That seems like a God that really gets on your case right when you don't need it the most. And there they was, discouraged, despondent, haven't caught anything, and had cleaned their nets and toiled all night, and their nets were washed. Now that takes hours even to wash nets. And yet Jesus comes, has the audacity to say, now I want you to get out into the deep, and I want you to let your nets down, and you're going to catch a lot of fish. A great catch, not just a catch, not just a normal catch, but he'd warned them before that it was going to be a great catch. They didn't seem to realize fully what Jesus was trying to say, and I don't think we do either. I think God has said time and time again to us that the greatest things for us is just ahead, but we have to be obedient. Again, let's let God in our life. Let's let Him challenge our life. Let's be obedient to Him, and let's let Him teach us what is necessary in our life, and then let us hear Him say, launch out unto the deep. Now, what He was saying, don't let your nets down here. They was already launched out a little bit from the shore. They was already away from the land, but he said, I want you to get out into the deep before you put your nets down. Now sometimes we've dragged the shores of humanity. I mean, we have not phantomed the greatness of God. We have not understood what God is trying to say to us. And as we go on a little bit further, you're going to see what we're talking about. Jesus had promised them a great catch, but it has to be done in the order that He wants it done. We cannot bargain with Him when it comes to fulfilling His plan in complete obedience. We cannot say, God, I'll do this portion of it, and I'll do that, and still with full expectations to get a great catch, we can't do it. God is speaking to us as He was to Peter, as He was to disciples, that there's a way to catch fish. Now the Bible says we are fishers of men. Yes. And there is a way to catch fish. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. We haven't found it yet or we'd have more fish than we've got. Right. Somebody say amen, Brother Host. No, that's good preaching. But there are ways to catch fish. Yes. Amen. And He just told you a little bit about it. I'm in your ship. I want in your life. I want to rule every portion inside of your life. I want you to hear the challenge of my word, and I want you to be obedient to that. Amen. And then I want you to do what I tell you. I don't want you to just listen. I want you to do it. And you'll have to understand this. At the most discouraging times of our lives, when we have done everything we possibly can, Jesus comes then and asks us to do something simply out of the ordinary that boggles our mind. And we stand before him like Peter and said, All right, God, if that's what you want, but I'm not taking all my nets. I'm not going to spend all this time washing those nets. And I know there's nothing out there because we've been out there all night. But Lord, you said for me to do it, and so I'm going to do it. Notice the incomplete obedience of Peter. Notice what happens in incomplete obedience. Jesus kept his word, but can you imagine what he could have brought, what a great drought of fishes he could have had had he listened and let down his necks? 
In other words, everything that is within our control of our life, whatever we are, that we let them down and say to God, I believe your word and I'm going to do it without question or without fail. All right. And now, during the most important times and discouraging times of our life, the Master wants us to do it all over again. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I've tried this before and it hasn't worked? Amen. I've prayed before and it hasn't done much good. Amen. Have, have you ever said that? I have. I've done this before, God, and I don't understand it. And most of the time, we're about contrary enough that we won't do it. Because we think we're wasting our time and God's time. You let God worry about His time. He'll take care of that. And if we're a failure, then you can blame God for it. Amen. But if we don't do it, it's our fault. And finally, Peter says, all right, all right, I won't let them down here. I won't do what, I'll do what you said. And I'm going to cast out into the deep and I'm going to let my net down. Or what was Jesus telling them? He was telling them to exercise their faith in Him. It all boils down, saints, tonight, of faith in God. Something that gets a hold of Him and won't turn loose until He does what He says He'll do. Now, they had to have faith in God. But more than anything else, they had to have faith in their abilities as fishermen. Sometimes I think we uh, kind of flounder around a little bit like that. Uh, I've heard people say, I have all the faith and confidence enough in God. But what about the abilities God has given you as a fisherman? Uh, something God has uh, placed within you innately through the power of the Holy Spirit. Of lives that you can reach. Of souls that you can conquer through the Word of God. So not only faith in God, but we have to have faith enough in our abilities as whatever we are. Your ability as a minister, your ability as a prayer warrior, your ability as a teacher, your ability as a singer, your ability as a witness, whatever it is, you have to believe that God has enabled you with that presence and power and believe enough in God to believe in yourself. A lot of us are sitting on our stool and do nothing because we don't have confidence in our own college and in our own abilities that God has given us. Now granted, your abilities amount to nothing. What qualities you have as a human being amount to nothing. But given over to God, they are great and mighty and powerful because they're anointed of God. And so there again, we have to have faith in the abilities God has given us. Which means faith in ourselves. Faith in our calling. What did God call you to be? What did God call you to do? Did he call you to be a bench warmer? I don't think he has, but warm the bench the best you can. But there are areas in our life that God has called us to do. And he said, now I want you to get away from the shores. And I want you to go into the deep. And I want you to put your nest down. He's talking to Peter. He's talking to the apostles. This is 2,000 years old. It's still true tonight. And God is still talking to churches and individuals and saying, now I'm asking you to launch out into the deep. Now we have messed around with individual people and we've witnessed to them over and over and over again until they're not interested at all and we went and spent time with them and they don't care and out there are souls and fishes that's in the depths of sin and destruction that needs somebody to witness to them. Amen. 
And we're standing there arguing with the Lord because we piddled around a little bit and we've worked and we've toiled and we haven't taken anything. And God says, now, listen, it's all under my control anyway. And then most of all, they had to have faith in the abundance of the sea. They had to know and believe that those fishes were out there. And we have to know and believe that they're out there, saints. Yes, they are. We rub shoulders with them every day and mute sometimes in a witness to them. They're out there, saints. There's that whoremonger and there's that prostitute and there's that drug addict and there's that drunkard and there's that individual that we have written off because they've spurned the power of God so long and never been in the house of God. They're out there, but they're in the depths of sin and we have to get out there where they're at and let our nets down and let God do what He said He would do and give us a great test. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I might preach in a minute. We need a catch from the Lord. And they had to understand that. Now many of us need the same words that came from Christ to Peter. We need that launch out. Launch out. Now I want you to search your lives. I'm not getting down on you tonight. But I want you to search your life and ask yourself the question. Have I really ever been in the deep? Have I really ever feasted out there? Have I really ever been or been concerned about those type of people? In which the Lord has told Peter, now they're out there, Peter. I don't want your nets down in this shallow part of the water. Because I've got something greater than that. No doubt they would have caught something in the shallow part. But they wouldn't have been of the magnitude or the size that they would have been out in deep water. All right? And we can catch a few, and there's crawdads and everything else around the shores, and we catch a li- little bit here and there, but the magnitude and the size of them all is out there in the deep. And God is asking Peter, and he is asking us to launch out. Now, the biggest barrier in most of our lives is fear of launching out. You see, have been, we have been what we are for so long. I think that's what bothers me is in Christendom today is that we get so far in God and we haven't moved for a long time and we stay where we're at because it seems to be safe there. Because we're familiar with every portion of God in our life. We've cut him cornered, we think. And yet God is simply saying, now then, I want you to launch out. And we're afraid. And we're afraid because we know this is going to cost us something. It might take something out of our pocketbook. And it might take some time out of our lives. It might take some time, uh, our prayer and study. And it might take some time for us to be what we ought to be, which is witnesses for the kingdom of God. And then there's another thing. There's a fear of change. Churches get settled, and I, I, I see this every place. Churches get settled in a routine. And we're comfortable with that routine. And you go to a lot of churches, and I talked to one pastor not long ago, and he says, I don't want anything different. He said, I'm afraid of all this wildfire and stuff that's going on here, and if I open it up, this is going to be in there. And you see, there's a whole lot of individuals that's afraid of change. A lot of churches that don't want to change. We've got our four no more, and what difference does it make? But you've got to understand that we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. 
And that purpose has to be fulfilled. And then after we know that, we're reluctant to take action. God speaks to us and we know we, we know He did. I remember not too long ago, God speaking to an individual, and that individual knew that God spoke to him. All right? That individual knew perfectly well because they went around asking everybody else what they thought God was saying to him. And I said, listen, you don't have to ask everybody else. You're the one that knows that. But instead of that, we still got our own way. We have our life mapped and planned out. And God help us. That's not what God wants. We ought to be loose. Naturally, we have our things to attend to. God allows us to do that. And there's times in our life that we will have to change the way that we live our actions and our time. More time for God. More prayer. More study. More Bible reading. I don't like to get down on my children. But I was with every one of them. Over the holidays, and not one time did they ever want prayer, or not one time did they ever want Bible study, and not one time did they ever ask. All their mind was on was something else. And I told my wife, I went there expecting I came away with a heart that was heavy. What is it? Mankind has got his life mapped out, and he doesn't want it changed. All the problems in the world could be solved under the inspiration of God's mighty power and God's leadership. There's not one thing God can't handle. But most of the time, we don't want to give it to him, and we reluct it that when God challenges us to go to action... There's a lot of us sitting here that's had our life challenged for a long time. And we know that. And we leave out from under the uh, unction and anointing of the Spirit that speaks to us. And we leave and don't put it in action. And the first thing you know, all of it is gone. The resolutions we made to God, the things that we said to God, and the things that we really determined in our life to do, unless it's put into action immediately, we will not do it. That's right. Amen? Clarence Darrell, he was supposed to be an infidel and an atheist, but a young minister was talking to him at the end of his life, and he told that young minister, he said, uh, my favorite scripture is Luke 5, 5. That's just what we got through reading to you. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and we have taken nothing. And Clarence Darrow said, in spite of my success, this verse sums up the way I feel about life. In spite of his accomplishments, he still had an emptiness in his life. Yes. In spite of all of our accomplishments, everything that we say or do, and all our intellect and all our personality placed into one, unless we do what God asks of us, there will always be an emptiness in our life. Now, something somewhere is going to fill that. Whether it's filled in the world or whether it's filled in God, something is going to fill it. And let me challenge you, regardless of what you place in there from the world, there's still going to be an empty space in our life. Because there's a place in there that God ordained that He should live. Hallelujah. And we're not satisfied and never will be until He starts abiding in that. And in spite of this man's accomplishments, he still had an emptiness in his life. If we would just have allowed Jesus to step into the scene. Right. I want to say something tonight from the depths of my heart. That I feel like Jesus to the scene of our lives. He's wanting to step into the scene of Community Chapel. 
He has challenged us over and over and over again. And he's told us good things and hard things. But he's never told us anything that was impossible for us to do. He simply said, I will strengthen you. I will give you the power. And if Clarence Darrow would have allowed Jesus to step into the scene, then he could have found what he needed in his life. It goes on to say, and when they had done this, they enclosed the great multitudes. That's the great catch that Jesus said they was going to have. They enclosed the great multitude of fishes and their net break. No wonder. What God said was a great multitude was more than one net could handle. Had they been obedient to the Lord in the first place, they wouldn't have had to worry with the other. But they beckoned to their partners, which was on the other ship, and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships insomuch that they were about to sink. Uh-huh. Now this is what happens when people believe God and trust God. And this is what happens when we're obedient to Him. We might not understand ever everything that God does. He may ask something out of us that He don't reveal the purpose for that. But what He's asking out of us is to believe me enough and trust me enough to do what I ask you to do and I'm going to give you the rewards. Do I have to say it again? There's souls out there that need God. There's lives out there that's in the depths of sin and destruction. There's lives out there that need a touch of the Master's hand. There's lives out there that really are concerned and would like to hear about Jesus. But are we in the deep? Have we launched out there? Have we asked Him to come into our ship? Have we listened to Him as He ministered to us? Have we said, yes, Lord, I've got faith in you. I've got faith in myself. I believe what you said. And I've got faith in the abundance of the sea out there. This whole world is a sea. And friend, there's an abundance of lives out there that need to be caught in the net of salvation. Now, who spreads the net? It's not God. It's not him. It wasn't Jesus. He just gave orders to Peter. See, Jesus didn't do any of this until it come to the right the very last. Peter had to do it. Peter had to let him in his ship. Peter had to be obedient. Peter had to listen to him minister. And Peter had to shove out a little from the shore while Jesus ministered. And then Peter had to launch out into the deep. And then Peter had to let down his net. And then once that's over, what else could Peter do? He can't chase the fishes into the net. That's right. Amen. It was then up to Jesus. But see, we don't have any right to ask Jesus to fulfill his portion until we've done ours. Whether there's a hindrance in our belief, whether there's a doubt or a fear, he just simply asks us to believe. And it comes time where we have to let it down. And then if we'll do that, 
It'll be just like Jesus said, I'm going to give you a great catch. But you have to be out there with a net, fishermen, that's our business, doing what God says, being professionals at it, believing in God, believing in ourselves, believing in the abundance that's out there, and letting it all down, and then depending on Jesus to fill the net. And friend, He will do it. We would only allow Him to step into the scene. There was a story in closing from the sailing ship days about a vessel that was stranded off the coast of South America, unable to move because there was no wind. Week after week went by. The sailors were dying of thirst when another ship went close enough to hear their frantic cries of help. And they asked for help. We're dying. We don't have any water. And the cry came back, let down your buckets. Let down your buckets. Now that seemed a foolish thing, didn't it? And yet they let down their buckets, and when they did, they found fresh water. Now the moral of this is, the fresh water is current from the mighty Amazon, surrounded them, and it was fresh water, and they had been in it for months. Thinking it was salt water, thinking it was not drinkable, dying of thirst, and fresh water all around them. They just had to reach for it. And when I read that, I almost shouted. Amen. If I knew I wouldn't have disturbed people around here, I would have. Because I recognize that a lot of us and a lot of churches are sailing in fresh water. Amen. Dying of thirst. Needing something of God. And all we have to do is let down our buckets. And the fresh water from a Holy Ghost filled God comes within our soul and strengthens our lives and refreshes us. God help us to know where we're at. God help us to know that we're not in the salty seas. But we're in the fresh living water of Almighty God. Hath that flows from the throne of God. Hath that comes out from in the altar of God. That that ought to flow from us. A river of living water springing up into eternal life. Ought to be in our spirit and in our life. Not only enough to slake our thirst. But enough for a thirsty dry and a barren land. And individuals that's dying that needs a drink of fresh water. God help us. To put our buckets down and realize that we are not stranded in the salty seas, but we are in fresh currents of water that flows from the very throne of God. Saints, what do you think the Holy Ghost is? What do you think of God? What do you think comes out from under the altar? It is not grimy water. It is fresh living water that flows within our being and out from us. In us and out of us. And souls heal it. Understand it and know it. And their thirst is slaked. Break long, friend, from the bountiful hand of God. And break long from the fresh living waters of God. And there sustaining our own thirst. Then we can sustain the thirst and slake it. Of individuals that is out there in the midst of the troubled seas of time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I thought, God, many, many individuals are dying. 
simply dying because no fresh water has ever been pointed out to them. Listen, I'm sure those individuals in that ship maybe at times had tried and tasted just a little bit of the salt water and dared not try it anymore. But friend, listen, I feel, I really do, I feel for saints that sit in the house of God and there's no fresh water ever poured out and they don't realize they even have any. Amen. Sent and dying of thirst and dying of hunger and nobody ever points out to them that they're sitting right on top of one of the greatest thirst-slaking powers there is, which is the living God. Don't understand how an overflow of God's power and of God's spirit is there to strengthen us and to give us rest. I feel sorry for individuals that know the water's there. That's the sad part. When they found out and when they cried back to them, when they cried for help, they said, let down your buckets, let down your buckets. But listen, dying men, they'll almost do anything. And they let down their buckets. And what a thrill it was to taste fresh living water that slaked their thirst and took care of them, friend. But the sad part is, that's when you cry aloud and say you're not in uh, the stale waters. You're not in the salt waters. You're not around where tadpoles and all of that is. Saints, you're in the fountain of living water. Jesus said that's what he was. And he wants us to drink of him. Anytime, any place, he wants us to come to him and drink of that living water. At first, every uh, thirst that we have and slakes every thirst. And he's asking us, and yet millions of souls are dying because they need a drink of fresh water. They need these lips that are parched, some freshness of the anointing of Almighty God, some outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a move of the Holy Ghost. Thank God, waters from under the altar which comes fresh and secure and whole and will satisfy our souls. And Jesus says, Fishermen, church, launch out into the deep. Number one, let him in our lives. Number two, be obedient to him. Number three, listen to what he has to say. Before you launch out into the depths of it all, you need some teaching on what to expect when you get out there. And what you have to do. And sometimes we look again in our clothes. God, we've labored and toiled all night. And what a discouraging time. And we're good fishermen. And we should know where the fish is. We come home empty. Tired. Discouraged. Just at that time, Jesus says, Now, Peter, get your nets and put them in here. And we're going to go fishing. I'm going to give you a great catch. Let your nets down for a great catch when you get in the deep. So Peter takes the net. Half maybe what the altar took. Because you see, his vision was was shallow. Mm-hmm. But that didn't matter to the Lord. No. 
he just put all in that one net what would have been in the others, and they would have held it without any problem, but he just put it all in that one net. Insomuch that the original language says it was about to break. But the good thing about this, and the story that's behind it, is that if we believe God and trust Him and believe Him at the very times when it looks like there's no value at all and do what He says, He'll do what He says. And the good part about that was this. They got more than they could bring to shore and they called out for some help. And there was other ships, other churches, other lives that was blessed by that because they came and helped them pull in the drought of fishes from Peter's boat. But somebody had to get out there first. On the scene steps Jesus. On the scene of our life, the times of our life, he wants us to make him welcome. He asked us to let him in the ship. Will you stand?